Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Dana Steele, author of Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine. You're putting yourself out there. You're telling stories that you have no idea one person's going to hear it and you're going to change their life. You're going to give them permission to move on, to not feel guilty, to not feel bad, to laugh or whatever. And, you know, I would like to think that everyone that is listening to this from now on, when you hear the number seven, you're just going to laugh. <laughs> and cows. <laughs> and cows. Cows. And yeah, when you drive past a cow or you hear the number seven, give yourself permission to laugh. There's no way around it. Caring for a loved one with dementia is not for the faint of heart. We don't know what we don't know, and often families focus so much on the person with dementia that they forget to keep their eyes on the family member managing care, which can be catastrophic. In this podcast, we'll help you become more proactive and remind you to focus on yourself. We will share challenges and wins and guidance from professionals at every step in the journey of caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Welcome to the Eye on the Caregiver podcast. Welcome back, Dana. Can you tell the Chick-fil-A story? <laughs> My mom loved outings and activities, and that's how we chose the first place she lived because they had the most amazing social activities director. And I always tell people, when you're looking for how do you decide where to put you know, your loved one? I'm like, consider the food, the culture, the activities. My mom loved bingo, you know, so we found a place that did all of that. And she loved Bonnie, the activities director. And if you go to Chick-fil-A on the anniversary of the chicken chain, dressed in anything cow themed, a hat, a shirt, whatever, you get a free meal. So Bonnie, the activities director, made all of these people little cow hats and cow shirts. And she took 12 of them in the in the assisted living van to get their free lunches at Chick-fil-A. And they're all lined up. And the first woman got a little unsteady and she fell. And all 12 went down like dominoes. So, of course, they have to call and tell me your mom took a fall today. And when she told me where and how, I just busted out laughing because I'm from Texas. The very first thing that came to mind was cow tipping. I made sure every all 12 were fine. Nobody broke a hip. Nobody was hurt. And then I posted it and said, how can you not call this cow tipping? And people were like, oh, my God. I mean, it's just, it's cow tipping. They were all dressed as cows. I just, so. I just think that's so funny. And I, I think it took me back to that hangman story. Cause you're talking about a Seven. bunch of, you know, <laughs> 11 or 12 people are going to Chick-fil-A, which is a feat in and of itself, right? <laughs> Kudos to the activity director. There's so many things like that. And so many things that my dad would do and say that were really pretty depressing. You know, he was Sean, is it too strong to say he was suicidal? Oh, no. No, not at all. I mean, the first I tell people all the time, like we went through this kind of two phase journey with dad and the first phase, which probably went on for a year and a half, was when he was more lucid than Alzheimer's. I totally made that word up. And he knew he knew like he had been diagnosed. He knew that he was like you have a conversation. He knew that he couldn't remember important stuff. and He got super depressed. And I every single kind to, to this day, this is like one of the things I don't laugh about <laughs> because every single conversation was, you know, I just want to die, you know, and, and, and you just get so frustrated. I want to end it. And 
I have, I have friends who can take care of it. And I'm like, what, you're like 93 year old Marine guys that are probably all dead themselves. They're going to take you out at 500 yards with a sniper or something like that. What are you talking about? And, but it got really frustrating. And, and then he, when he kind of started becoming more Alzheimer's, he, um, you know, then he was in his like weird, he was in this like happy world. And, and we were lucky because he was a happy patient, not a, a mean one, like our grandmother became. And this is a story that like, I don't know, Michelle, if you want me to tell this, but so my dad is in the, um, the memory care facility and, you know, he's still married to my mom and he, uh, he had a girlfriend. Um, I'm not entirely sure he knew he had a girlfriend, but the woman was pretty sure that my dad was his girlfriend. I mean, to the point we had to like call ahead and be like, uh, can you like separate her from my dad? It's just awkward for my mom to come in and see him like holding hands with somebody. But I just didn't think that my dad had no clue. Well, Michelle went over there one day and she came out of nowhere and hit Michelle in the head because she thought that my dad was cheating on she, her. <laughs> she would give me like the meanest looks and she oh. just came up and smacked me in the head. And she was like, uh, you need to move. You need to go home. You well, know. I heard a story that Sandra Day O'Connor's husband um, fell in love with somebody. He was in memory care. And Sandra Day O'Connor would come, the Supreme Court judge would come to see them every week. And she said, you know, you just, you have to live in their world. Is That's my phrase. You have to live in their world. And she said, you know, I was no longer a wife to him, but they were very happy to see me. They were very happy together. I think she said they even at one point had a fake wedding for them, you know. You're not going to change it. So you have yeah. to. My mom would say, oh, I played tennis yesterday. And I would argue with her. And I finally learned. I'd go, oh, I bet you were great. She hadn't played tennis for 20 years. You just. My mom yeah, became we- very violent. Very violent. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna say something right now that I don't do in the play. And I never wrote about in the book. And I don't tell very many people. But I think we all have this thought at some point. Maybe not all of us. But at one point, my brother and I had a conversation and he goes, if I could just do something to put her, it's not her, to put her out of this misery. And I was like, oh, honey, I think about it all the time. If I could take a pillow or, and see, I'm almost in tears now telling you this, but I think we all think that at some point because it's such a horrible friggin' disease. And I'm trying so hard not to say the F word on your show. It is such a horrible, horrible disease. And I am envious of the people who their crotchety dad becomes this sweet, wonderful person. My wonderful mom became this. I mean, she beat me up one time. It was so frightening. She had a hold of my hair. I thought she was going to get a hunk of it out. Um, It is an awful, awful disease. And it is okay to admit you have these feelings and you think about these things. And if your loved one is suicidal or whatever, you know, mom was angry somewhere in there. She knew. And at one point I found notes. My mom was a note taker. Again, I come by it honestly. And there were post-it notes all over her room that said, I need to kill Dana. I need to kill my daughter. When Dana finally comes to visit, I'm going to kill her. And I put them in my pocket. I picked them all up and put them in my pocket. And I didn't show them to my husband. And I didn't show them to my sons. And I didn't show them to anybody for about a day or so. And then I finally knew that I had to show him because it wasn't, 
It wasn't me, but she did not understand who I was. She was waiting for the 25-year-old Dana who was on the radio to come see her. And she felt like I was never there. Dana never, she would tell people all the time. She'd tell me, Dana never comes to visit. And I'm like, I know, but she's really busy. And she's, you know, I learned to just go and she's really, Yeah, I was really good at that too. Like just kind of roll, roll with it. You know, there, the Olympics were happening at one point and my dad used to like adamantly just have like a serious conversation and tell us that he used to swim with Michael Phelps. And my mom would get so upset. She would get so frustrated the kids would be like rolling on the floor laughing. And I just learned to be like, oh, yeah, dad, like, how was that? Like, you know, did he teach you anything? You know, you just kind of have to or that's the or you will lose yourself in the, in, in the world. Yeah. In, yeah, you'll lose yourself into their world. Then there's no good outcome there. Yeah. I don't think. So, yeah, you know, I felt you know. so bad I had those thoughts. But then when my brother, you know, voiced him first, I'm like, you know, people have these it's not like we acted on them, but it's okay to admit um, there are therapy groups everywhere. If you're not like me, who's on social media entirely too much, every hospital has a therapy group, a support group. Every church, every synagogue, every mosque has a therapy group. If they don't have one, start one, because I guarantee you, you are not alone. And if you start something, you're going to find a whole community that needs to talk and needs to cry and needs to laugh. You cannot hold these thoughts and these feelings in, no matter what they are. And when my brother said that to me on the phone, I know it was really hard because um, a mother has never loved two children more than mine did. And for him to say it and then me to go, me too. Um, it was cathartic to know I wasn't the only one having these feelings again, would never in a million years act on them. But I thought I was such a horrible person for even thinking such a dark thought. You have to talk. You have to let it out. You have to talk. A doctor's fine, but find a therapy group, find a support group, find one other person. You know, it's it's Dana Steele on Instagram and Facebook. I answer everything personally. If you're scared to tell anybody anything, DM me. I'll listen to it. But if you don't let it out, it is going to eat you alive. And the only way we're going to do this is to help each other. It's just tough. Yeah, it's interesting when when my father passed away. And I think that, you know, um, Michelle and I were at his side, you know, uh, my mom and my brother and sister were there, but I, I seem to remember they were out in the hall. Um, and we sat next to dad um, for almost a whole you know, day and a half or however long it was. And I was surprisingly, um, when, when, when he finally passed away and we kind of walked out of the room, I was surprisingly at peace, you know? And um, I was, I look back on it, I was like, you know, why was I not more, you know, upset, you know, and I You're think- You're relieved. It's like, oh my God, that's it's That's exactly over. what it was, you know? I mean, I've been accused of being um, an incense of that a-hole. <laughs> but, you know, but I don't think that's, you know, that that's not what it is. It was that, you know, I knew and we knew that dad didn't want to be like that, right? He didn't want not to- Not at all. And 
so that gave us peace at the end that dad you know was finally relieved of this condition that he was in uh even though he doesn't necessarily you know actually know that at the end but i knew that if he was standing behind us looking down he'd be like yeah this has to be over like this has to be over my dad and, had frontal lobe dementia the same thing bruce willis has been diagnosed with mm-hmm. And the hospital called me. He had taken a bad fall and the hospital called me and said, he's not going to make it through the night. You need to get here. So I rushed up there. And as I rushed off of the elevator, the nurse met me with, I'm so sorry, he just died. And I went, oh, thank God. And the nurse looked at me like, okay, well, that's not the normal reaction we get from people. But my dad loved to play golf and he loved to read and he loved to play cards at the, you know, until the wee hours of the morning, drinking scotch at the country club, whatever. He hadn't been able to do that stuff for 15 years. I was like, oh, thank God. I hope he's doing all of that now. You um, know, I totally okay. get it. I, yeah, I totally get it. And I think what we have to remember is like our dad, he did not want to live like that. He did not want to be a burden. And at the end, I don't think he knew he was a burden, you know, or or he, I don't think he had those same feelings because he wasn't a burden. That came out wrong. But you know what I mean? I don't think once his brain really started going, I don't think he was sitting there thinking, you know, I I don't want to be a burden because he didn't know who we were. You know, he, he knew we were his people. He would light up when we came in. But, you know, I was his girlfriend. I, you know, it was weird. It was just weird. Um, and then I'm getting like yeah. assaulted by like his memory care girlfriend and, you know, and my mom at the very end, you know, mom, she couldn't handle the, she could, she couldn't just roll with it. She could never roll with it. She always saw it. At, she was so stressed out. She's like, well, th- that's not true. What he said is not true. And she would get so hung up on it. It's not true. And I'm like, it's not true, but what does it matter? Like yeah, just live in laugh, laugh, laugh it. But there's a lot, you know, everyone has to deal in their own way, but that relief, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, I think there's a lot of. If I could leave anybody with anything, it would be that recently I wanted to add some more stories in the play about the way mom was before her demise, because we get into the demise pretty fast. And I just want people to know how magical she was. So I've spent the last two weeks interviewing her friends, my kids, my brother, my nieces, um, people mom worked with, tell me a mom story. Tell me a Fran story. Tell me. A fr- and they have just been so fun and it's just brought her so much back to life in my brain and, and in my life. And I tell people, you know, if you've lost somebody, um, just ask for a story. I found out my mother used to steal celery and carrots, just break one off and put it in her purse if she only needed one for a recipe. I'm like, what? (laughs) Apparently she'd been doing that for 20 years. I'm like, what? (laughs) She didn't need free celery. But just, you know, your dad's gone, but here we are telling great stories about him. Seven. Every time I see the number seven, seven I'm going to think of you two ago. I, I just start laughing. Like he's so seven. I think he did it like four times. And just, finally yeah. I was like, oh, hey, dad, tell, just, stories. Just tell him H, just say H, <laughs> just like, you know, because you're going to get beat up by someone who's mad that you're <laughs> doing it wrong. I love it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think out of all this too, right, there's also, you know, Michelle and I talk about this often. Right. And it's really kind of the basis of, of why we started the foundation is that there is there's there is kind of very beautiful parts of this journey. Right. And 
you know, one was I found the whole disease also fascinating from a neurological perspective. But I remember going to the memory facility and and I don't know if he really remembered me or not. I showed him pictures of my kids and he had a very close relationship with my oldest. And he looked at it and he was puzzled at first, but then he started crying. And I knew right then that he didn't know who she was, but he knew she was really important to him. He knew he was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, and there's all kinds of little stories like that. And I think if you can continue to grasp onto those stories, um, then mom picked up a picture of our oldest when we were moving her and she went, is he in our family? And I went, that was really kind of a first time I realized she didn't recognize one of the grandchildren. Is he in our family? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Chris. He lives in Denver. And she's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I asked Chris the other day, do you remember what's one, what's one story you remember when I say Mimi? He goes that she tried to hatch me a baby duck. I said, what? (laughs) He goes, yeah, she would go down to the boathouse, you know, where the ducks would lay eggs. And when she thought they were close to hatching, she would take a couple and keep them warm. I was like, your grandmother did what? No wonder the ducks quit laying their eggs there. (laughs) I was stealing their eggs. I don't want a baby duck. So, yeah, ask your kids' story. Ask people's stories. You'll find out things like free celery and baby ducks that you had no idea was going on. No idea. No idea. (laughs) I remember one story. The last place that my dad, my mom and dad traveled um, after he was diagnosed and before he moved into memory care was – to my daughter's college graduation and she was the oldest grandchild. And he, he, we laughed cause I'm, I'm like, my mom wanted to leave him in the hotel while we went and did something. I'm like, are you crazy? Like he won't find him in Iowa. Like why would he stay in this hotel room? He, you know, but anyways, we're, she went to a Catholic university and we're at the like baccalaureate the day before graduation. And he's standing there or he's sitting there with his, his um, program upside down. And Nikki's best friend was sitting next to him and she saw it and she like turned it around and he just looked at her like, hello, I know what I'm doing, turns it back around. But he just kept saying over and over again, there must be a lot of Catholics around here. There must be a whole lot of Catholics around here because it was a Catholic university and they had like Jesuit priests there and everybody was kind of participating. He could not get over um, so we had no idea. Meanwhile, where she he was, was a he was a uh, a Catholic that for many years went to mass every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's and like he just, judging it, like why are there so many Catholics around? It's Catholics, like, um, you know. It, well, you're Catholics one of them. You know that, right? <laughs> it was. It was just. It was just. That's another funny story. And whenever I'm around her friends, like it always comes up, and they're like, "Remember, Pap Pap?" Like just kept saying like there's a lot of Catholics and reading the whole thing upside down. I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, it, it, and that's it what made that did. time. Yeah. That time it was so fun. And we laughed all the time instead of just being so stressed out that my, our dad is there. He has dementia. He doesn't even know why he's there. He doesn't remember. We didn't think any of that. We were like, it was this great weekend and Papap entertained the whole row and the row in front of mine. What you you are doing right now with this, with your podcast, with this story, with a foundation, somebody is listening to this right now and you have just given them permission to let out a big sigh because other families would try to hide that and they would, you know, fight with Papap and try to make him turn it or they would have left him in the hotel or whatever. It's okay. You know, people get embarrassed. Oh, my God, did somebody see what my dad just did? You're giving people permission to say, 
I am not alone in this. So, yeah, and that's a great 100%. story. It's okay to laugh. It's okay. Just let, you know, let, let, let Pat Pat be amazed at all of the, the Catholics that are around. Just, you know, it's, and when other families see you act like that, you give them permission too to go home and think maybe we should approach this differently. Don't just, that, I think that's, that's the one thing I keep trying to tell people also is just don't, don't hide this. Don't hide your emotions. Don't hide your loved one. Don't hide this. Um, you know, it's, there are people that have gone through this before you that could be even complete strangers who are going to love you and help you through this. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. So we've been talking a lot about these stories. I highly suggest everybody get your book because it's just awesome. And But you also, you've got this one woman play. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know it's on YouTube and people can go look, but you're also doing some live shows coming up in LA and, and I'm really bummed that we're not actually able to get out there and see it. So talk a little bit about your play, what you're doing. Well, I went from radio to being a professional motivational business speaker. So I always thought, I want to turn this into a one-woman show. I want to turn it into a one-woman show. And a director got a hold of it in Houston, took my book, wrote a wonderful play. Um, the actress we hired to do, we were finally, like, a, like, there was like a short break in COVID, it felt like. There were like a couple of weeks we could actually do something in November, almost a year and a half ago in Houston. And we did 10 performances. We staged it. And the actress that we hired to play me dropped out the right before rehearsals, the day before rehearsals, because her mother was, wait for it, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. And I had to step in and play myself, which you would think is easy, but it was not. It was terrifying. Uh, the short version is it was a critical success. A Broadway producer saw it. So I now have a Broadway manager. I have a Broadway director. I have a Broadway producer. But we think Broadway is not coming back right now. Off-Broadway especially, it's sort of a nonprofit function. And I, coming from the world of business, I don't like the words nonprofit. <laughs> so what we're discovering is where the money is, is touring and streaming. So next week, I'm going to do a reading at a theater in Los Angeles for television, film, streaming, and theater executives. In a perfect world, somebody's going to say, here's our theater with a really nice subscription base. We're going to stage it at our theater. And then a streaming company or a film company will say, great, we're going to bring in three cameras. We're going to film it. We're going to edit it. We're going to make it all beautiful. And then, you know, Netflix or Apple or Prime would come along and say, great, we're going to air it. I never in a million years expected to be an actress and a playwright at 63. I never expected to become an Alzheimer's expert. I'm just, as my husband says, I'm just holding on to the rope, following the boat. I'm just seeing where all of this goes. And, you know, I will be quite honest because I am so shy that one of these days, the Winward Foundation and the Alzheimer Caregiver Alliance are going to say, you know what? We would like to present that play brought to you by. <laughs> so there, I've planted that seed, Sean. <laughs> oh, no. I, when people ask us about the foundation and what our, our mission is, you know, our primary mission is to support the caregivers through this journey, right? From whatever stage they're at and meeting the caregivers where they're at. So they emerge from this journey stronger, right? And not broke and broken, right? Our secondary mission is as the Alzheimer's Caregiver Alliance is to rise all boats, right? There's so much that good going on in this community of how to help caregivers, uh, whether it's corporations memory cafes or you, right, that allow 
the conversation to be expanded and anything that we can do to help raise awareness of you and raise awareness of everybody in this conversation is good for the caregiver. So well, we, would, know, I tell um, everybody just we are going to have a lot of conversations about this in the future. So um, we let's are. get ready. Yeah, we are. I just tell everybody, think good thoughts. I have no idea where this is going, but Fran Nicholson will not have died in vain. She will, we will carry her story and her message as far as I possibly can and see what happens and where it goes. Awesome. So we're going to wrap this up. I know we're going to have you on again in the future. So we're just not entirely sure where you're going to be when that happens. So we'll, we'll figure that out because you're having like the adventure of a lifetime right now. But so thanks for coming on the show. We love talking to you and I love talking to you before the show and all the conversations we've had leading up to this. We'll include all your social media and a link to your book in our show notes. So anybody who's listening to this, just scroll down. You can find everything about Dana Steele. And again, thank you for giving us permission to laugh and giving us permission to tell these stories about, you know, our loved ones and making everyone feel that they're not alone because everything you talked about while the stories are different is what we experience and the thoughts that you had and the things and thank that you, you for funny. what what you guys are doing because you're you're putting yourself out there you're telling stories that you have no idea one person's going to hear it and you're going to change their life you're going to give them permission to move on to not feel guilty to not feel bad to laugh or whatever and you know, I would like to think that everyone that is listening to this from now on, when you hear the number seven, you're just going to laugh. And cows. And cows. Cows. And yeah, when you drive past a cow or you hear the number seven, give yourself permission to laugh. Oh, Dana, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much. Um, we really especially appreciate you taking time on your adventure that you're having right now. So well, I'm thank still you working. For, I still have to make a living. So well, thank you for giving us the time today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. In the words of Fred Nicholson, I love you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Thanks for listening. For more resources and information, visit windwardfoundation.org. 